This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you as today, a response to our episode on the proposed sugary beverage tax that's making its way through the Rhode Island General Assembly right now with Eli Berkowitz, president of Little Rhodey Foods, and Tanya Santos, who owns Galito Restaurant in Pawtucket. And just a few weeks ago, we had Dr. Amy Nunn on the program discussing the proposed sugary beverage tax that would ostensibly tax colas, energy drinks, you know, the the beverages that are loaded with sugar. And the program, in a nutshell, would take those taxation dollars and apply them to SNAP benefit recipients. It would essentially double the value of their dollar when purchasing healthier options. And I think there would also be other things that this would be used for, including a public information campaign about the risks of uh, certainly the lack of benefits to consuming sugar, particularly in the form of beverages here. So this was a push. Again, we had Dr. Amy Nunn on the program. Um, this has been a statewide, region-wide conversation for a few weeks with the business sector uh, in large part pushing back and saying, number one, any new tax in this moment coming out of the pandemic is something that would potentially cripple their businesses or at least put an undue burden on certain sectors of our small and medium-sized businesses here in the Ocean State. And then number two, others, commentators and, and people I've heard from have said, you know, look, there's no question there should be a public information campaign about the dangers of or the risks of or the lack of benefits at minimum to consuming sugary beverages, but to place a tax on the people who consume it the most is in fact taxing oftentimes lower class, lower middle class people, those who can least afford a tax increase in any given point in time. So it's a back and forth. I think the message of this campaign at minimum is something that will resonate and and may take shape down the line. Now, you'll hear in the episode in just a few moments, I caught up with Governor Dan McKee earlier this week, and I asked him about this. If this came across his desk, would he sign it? Is he in favor of it? Is it something that might happen another year? We'll kind of get into all of that as we move through this episode. Again, with two members of our small business community, Tanya Santos, owner of Galito Restaurant in Pawtucket, and Eli Berkowitz, the president of Little Rody Foods here in the Ocean State. A couple of programming notes coming up. We've got some awesome episodes on tap. We'll be kind of taking a look at some of the stuff in the General Assembly over the next few episodes, but we also have some big picture issues, some interesting Rhode Islanders. That's all on tap coming up in the next few weeks. And of course, more than 300 episodes in the back catalog at ripodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. And I'd like to invite you next Friday, June 18th at dusk on Harris Avenue in Providence. It'll be my first show, uh, musical show that is in... I don't know, like, what, 18 months or something like that? It's going to be outdoors, an outdoor concert, an outdoor summer concert, myself with my band. Um, we've got some great other acts on the lineup. That's Friday, June 18th at dusk in Providence, Rhode Island. Music starts at 8 o'clock, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there, you know? We, we may even do a little bit of a, a B-Town sidebar out on the street or from the stage. I don't know what's going to happen there. We'll find out if that's if that's an element or not. But certainly music next Friday, June 18th. Okay, let's get to it. A response to our episode with Dr. Amy Nunn highlighting the sugary beverage tax from a proponent side. Here's the opponent side of the same issue. Here on Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town. I'm Eli Berkowitz. I'm president of Literary Foods, a distributor of uh, numerous drink products as well as other foods that are local here to Rhode Island. Uh, my name is Tanya Santos. I own Galito Restaurant in Pawtucket. Uh, we're a small Portuguese-American restaurant. 
uh, with a bar and a full dining restaurant. So I guess my question for each of you right out of the gate would be, why are you opposed to the proposed tax on sugary beverages? Is it a business thought process? Is it the legislation itself? Is there, what is it that is concerning to each of you? And we'll start, I guess, with Tanya. So um, to me, I mean, we've been through so much with this pandemic that we, we kind of saw within this year how different ways of running our businesses and different ways of gaining income through delivery, through curbside pickup, through all these different avenues. And the last thing we need is an, an addition, like an additional tax on sugar drinks on things that people buy every day. Eli? Yeah, you know, to, to I agree with Tanya, you know, we just went through a pandemic. Uh, people worried about food, drinks, money, rent, and all of a sudden we're coming up with this tax. From our perspective, we think it's an unfair tax also. Uh, when you target something specific like soda, we'll say, which has been on the decline for a number of years anyway, and you see other beverages taking the place, whether they're low in sweeteners, uh, low sugar, sugar-free. I mean, there's a whole gambit that when you go into the supermarket, You've got so many choices that are affordable that have no sugar or very lightly sweetened that you can you can chip, you know pick from that from that option there. It sounds like Governor McKee is essentially in agreement with you in terms of it's not the year to be imposing additional taxes. I asked him about this on Tuesday. I'm going to play you a clip right here. This is Governor McKee Tuesday answering about the sugary beverage tax. Governor, there's some uh, legislation right now that has may very well be passed related to sugary beverages, and it balances public health with a potentially onerous tax. In general, is that something that you designed or passed? Do you see a value to this sort of taxation in favor of public health as a broad question? Well, I like the program, uh, you know, in terms of the, the SNAP benefit and increasing the SNAP benefit in both our food markets and our grocery stores. So. Um, so I, I certainly would love to get a path in there, but I've taken a position that I don't think it's I don't think it's the year to talk about increased taxes anyway. So I, I like the program. Certainly interested in, in, in talking about how to achieve that health uh, strategy that the talk that is being talked about by the groups who are advocating for it. But I, this is not the year, whether it's an income tax, in my opinion, or um, in other any other taxes right now that is going to hit the consumer in a way where more money out of that. All right. So back here live, that's Governor McKee on t- t- his most recent media availability. So it sounds to me like the governor is taking the position that this year is not the year for any taxation increase, um, but he likes the thought process behind the program. That, that leaves open the possibility that this could come up in the future. Inside the General Assembly, Speaker Shikarchi says this bill is still in play. It sounds like the governor is going to veto it no matter what. But this is a conversation that may move forward. So getting away from the specifics of the pandemic, are you each opposed to attacks on sugary beverages that would encourage people to purchase, uh, potentially encourage people to purchase healthier options, at minimum, create a program that would bolster SNAP? Um, so it just wouldn't affect soda. It would affect different, um, like different drinks, like lemonades and energy drinks, iced teas, um, and flavored waters and all that, it would, it would definitely affect everything. Um, I'm obviously opposed to it. I don't think that 
businesses should take on the extra burden, even coming out of a pandemic or, or we weren't in a pandemic at all. Um, it's just, it will, to me, if, so, if Rhode Island has that tax, then they're just driving across the border to not pay that tax and go get it in mass and get everything else in mass. Right. We're, we're a small state. So the travel to Massachusetts or, or Connecticut, it's very easy to go over and buy that. But again, I call it an unfair tax because they want to, I know, help people that have, with obesity and diabetes. But the analogy I use is, okay, you want to tax the beverage. Why just beverage? Again, I'm opposed to this tax at all. But I can go to McDonald's. I can go get a Diet Coke, a Big Mac, or a large fry. So we talk about obesity. and We look at the foods that we consume. Why are we just picking on beverages? Again, people have to have the choice. People, consumers drive the bus. So when I go to the supermarket, I service all the supermarkets, I'd say here in Rhode Island, nearby Massachusetts and Connecticut, the consumer goes in and they buy what they prefer, but they're getting more educated today, which we have to do is educate the consumer on the foods they should eat. So you're seeing sugar, excuse me, you're seeing sodas as well as sugar drinks on the decline, but you're seeing a lot more development on sugar-free drinks. If you, like I said, you go to the supermarket, the amount of sugar-free drinks is tremendous today. As a, I call it a developer, we work with Dell's corporate and their food scientists. We're very particular in how we put together the drinks there's pure cane sugar or items that are sugar-free ingredients so it doesn't have a, some other effect down the road. So we want to make sure that what we're giving to the public is a healthier drink so they can consume that and or make the choice, the educated choice for what they want to have. And we certainly see an increase when, you know, for example, you go into Stop and Shop now, there's more options that are vegan, gluten-free, you see it at restaurants, so on and so forth. So there is, I think, more of a mainstream approach to healthier eating. What, what would you say is the biggest, uh, in terms of your own pocketbooks, what would be the biggest implication of if this tax, it's not going to happen this year, pretty much. I mean, there's almost no chance that it's going to happen. But if, let's say next session, this thing gets through, um, the governor signs it at that point in time, what would be the biggest implication in the terms of a business uh, standpoint for each of you? Um, go ahead. I, for me, you know, we sell not just Dell's lemonade, we have other beverages, but we also do the autocrat coffee syrups. That would be taxed too. So those are two of my largest items that I move through our warehouse here. So substantially, you know, it's a very popular item in Rhode Island. It's, it, it's an icon around both autocrat coffee syrup and Dell's lemonade. So it would be a huge impact for us because our sales, again, in Rhode Island, is about a million residents, would be impacted tremendously. Um, so with us, I mean, <clears throat> most of, we do have like some iced teas and, and packaged drinks on our, to go, um, on the go cooler that we, we have, um, that people grab when they grab their takeout orders. But most of the part is that it's mostly soda for us. Soda, lemonades, iced teas that comes out of the gun. So it affects our bar prices. It affects everything. Um, and not only that, but I would say about maybe 85% of a, a restaurant that you go to is usually free refills on, on sodas. So when you usually go out to a bar or to a restaurant, you ask for a Coke or a Pepsi, it's usually free refills and you just pay that one, one, um, one amount with that extra tax, people are going to be charged per drink and it's not going to be two fifty or $3. It'll be a lot more than that. Right. Hey, Bill, I have a question for you. Yes. 
we look at, at soda. If I'm a healthy individual and I, I'm an elderly, I'm an older person, I play soccer, I exercise, I walk a lot. Why should I be taxed or penalized for having a drink with, with, with sugar in it, whether it's Coke or Dell's lemonade or, or whatever? Why, why, am I taking, why am I taking that? Why am I being charged that tax? Right. Well, that's the onerous element of, of the tax, and it creates a scenario where, right, the person who wants to have soda once in a while or right. something of that sort is now penalized. I guess the argument from the, the, the proponents of this is that from a marketing standpoint, it's similar to, I guess, cigarettes or, or other tobacco products where marketing strategies have targeted youth uh, places like food desert, certainly here where I am right now in our studios in Elmwood, there's not a whole heck of a lot of places you can go where you can get many options. Um, so I guess the, the idea is that, okay, well, if th- this would discourage f- stores from stocking exclusively sodas or, and it really doesn't apply to diet Coke, it's only sugar. So regular Coke, that seems to be the fundamental idea, but then it raises that whole point of, is this an onerous tax that is not necessarily going to do anything to move the opinions of people who are already drinking soda on a regular basis? So that would be my next question was, are you each in favor of an awareness campaign funded for another stream, maybe private donors or some other bundle of money that raises awareness of the dangers of drinking soda from a dental standpoint, from a a sugar. I mean, look, if you have a soda here and there, it's not a big deal. But if you drink soda every day, there's no question about it. That's an unhealthy choice. Well, it's not just sodas, but includes the drinks um, like juices, energy drinks, iced teas, lemonades, anything with sugar, um, including Gatorade. So Gatorade in favor of, of, of an awareness campaign to say, Hey, look, this stuff isn't healthy. Uh, I think that somebody that is used to going out and having a steak and usually having a lemonade with that steak or a certain drink with that steak at the end of the day is still going to happen. You, you say you, you make the claim that are you claiming the soda is unhealthy or the sugar in the soda is unhealthy? Because if you took to strength and conditioning coaches, athletes, people that work out, you need to have a certain amount of sugar intake. Now, again, we are picking on beverages when there's a lot of other foods out there that have sugar. So I'm in favor of yeah, educating the public. I don't believe it should be done in a tax, but if you educate the public, again, it's not that it's bad for you. You know, it's not like a smoking the pack of cigarettes a day if I have a Coke once in a while or a lemonade once in a while. It's educating people how to eat healthier. And I think we do that to a certain degree today. And I think we have to continue to do that. And again, I know this law talks about obesity and diabetes. Hey, you know what? I, I think if they have money, they should give out, you know, cards to, to workout world. You know what? Give you a free membership to go work out because not enough people exercise. We have that. It starts in school. We don't have enough exercise. It continues on. And if people don't get out and exercise and try to eat properly, you create these health issues. So I don't think it should be done to a tax, but education is probably the best way. When we come back after a quick break, I just want to get into where we go from here in terms of this. This speaks to a, a, a broader situation here in Rhode Island where through taxation, sometimes we drive people across the border uh, or for lack of availability on certain products, people go to Massachusetts or whatnot. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast, Rhode Island's podcast of record. Back after this. If you're planning to get a COVID-19 vaccine, 
There are three ways to make that happen in Rhode Island. You can choose a state-run vaccination site, a regional or community-based clinic, or certain pharmacy locations. To learn more about all of these options, start at c19vaccineri.org. There, you'll find all the information and links you need to make a decision and to schedule an appointment. That's c19vaccineri.org. It's a frequent complaint in Rhode Island that, oh, the state's not good for, for business, you know, and, and we hear if you're a national or even a global company, you look in. There's a lot of reasons for this. Look, if you're coming to Providence, you're going to look at the Providence school as you, and you're going to say, yeah, I don't want my kids educated there and I'm not confident I can get a workforce that will meet the standards I'm looking for. Um, there's a housing crisis in Rhode Island. It's difficult for anybody, middle class, otherwise, really, to buy a home, even rent a home at this point in time. But taxation and business uh, well-being it's always a give and take. In general, is Rhode Island a good place to do business? You want me to go first on that one? Sure. <laughs> <You can> start. <laughs> um, I think in any state, it's a challenge, to be honest with you. Rhode Island's no different. Is it more difficult? In some scenarios, yes, I would, would say that. We all try, we all try to work together. I think you know, Rhode Islanders support local companies. I think, you know, we support each other, which is important in today's time and age. Uh, it, it is always a difficult challenge when, you know, legislators see one thing, businesses and individuals see something different and trying to mesh those two together. It's a difficult process. So um, I think that going along with uh, what Eli just said, I think that um, being in Rhode Island or being in any other state, there's always going to be challenges. And then as far as being in Rhode Island, though, we aren't the smallest state and we are, there's borders. Um, so I think that's what challenges us the most because people have other choices. And, um, but we do strive in small businesses. I would say that we do support local businesses and where um, we, we thrive in that um, compared to other states. We do have a lot of small businesses and, and it employs a lot of people. Coming out of the pandemic, I mean, it's it's obviously uncharted waters for anybody in any any walk of life. There's no doubt about it. What's the biggest thing that you need right now from the state in terms of getting back to any kind of normalcy post-pandemic? I'll let you go first, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the state. Um, so throughout the pandemic, I mean, they've been very supportive. That I'll, I'll have to say. Um, a post pandemic, I mean, it's just, I think, um, Ooh, this is a tough one post pandemic. Um, I would think it would be an educating the consumer in a lot of things, um, both like health wise, both, um, uh, I think that after the pandemic, a little, people got a little mean, <laughs> um, to be honest with you, there was, um, there was people got a little mean. So I think there has to be a little, a little, um, you know, some education on there, but that that's people skills. Mm. Um, other than that, I, I think there should be some clarity and regulations, um, on, on some things because like we were, we were kind of like taking like baby steps with, you know, with our, with our other governor. And then, I mean, and I support this, this new governor. I really do. 
um, and everything that he's doing. Um, but like the masks and the vaccinations and all that stuff, there's just like a little gray area that um, I think that just needs to be cleared um, post pandemic. So you'd like to see clear guidance as to in terms of masks and vaccinations in, in what way? Um, I think that it shouldn't uh, leaving it up to the business kind of puts us in a little uh, we're like it. But it's like, it's like leaving us to like, oh, but I went to this business and they don't care and this yeah. and that. And it's like, it's just leaving it up to us when it's, there's not a set rule, you know? Um, and I think that this just, this should just be more clarity after that, after the pandemic. I, I agree with Tony, you know, there's got to be a little more clarity. Uh, I mean, for me, no new taxes is obviously what's the top of my list. We, we've been, since the pandemic started for our company, We've been working, I've been working seven days a week. I'm getting a little tired because food was such an issue and, and you know, it was people just panicking. I mean, it's calmed down greatly today, but still the supply chain that I have to struggle with every day to make lemonade or our egg facility, we have to have a dozen boxes for eggs is still a challenge. And I got to tell you, I have a lot of sleepless nights because I have to supply my products to the stores, you know, for consumers because they're the people that you know, drive our business. And that's a challenge. But, you know, when this tax comes up and there's more regulation, it makes it that much more difficult for someone small like myself or like Tanya, where I'm not, a, I'm not Pepsi or Coke, you know, so companies like Grain Squibs or Yacht Club Soda, we have to struggle and fight against those large companies. When some new regulation comes down, some new tax comes down, you know what, we have to deal with it 10 times worse than probably a Pepsi or Coke. They can they can turn on a dime and do so many things because they're so large and have so much so much resources that we can't. So to me, it's the regulations and the tax. The taxing is, is always the issue. Last question, circling back to the issue at hand here. If um, if you were with whether it's Dr. Amy Nunn or Dr. Philip Chan of the Rhode Island Department of Health or any of the people who are in in favor of the sugary beverage tax this year and are likely, I would assume, likely to continue pushing this um, this particular issue. What's the common ground where there may be a way for this to get done in a, in a way that doesn't impact businesses negatively, if, if there is any? Well, well, I guess, you know, it's, it's trying to find common ground. Again, as we develop drinks, you know, we're using pure cane sugar. Maybe there's something that's an all-natural uh, additive that we can put in there to reduce or somehow do it that way. I don't know if there is common ground. I think we need to sit and discuss it and look at the overall ramifications that go on for both restaurants, individuals, consumers, and businesses here in Rhode Island and the pros and cons to it. I think, you know what, there's not enough discussion with all groups. It's one group on one side, so let's make the legislation. And then there's the other side saying, wait a second, this is how we're getting impacted. So we need to have some, you know, some dialogue both both ways to see what we can do. Um, so I think going back to like the awareness campaign is a good idea because it just is not it wouldn't just cover sugary drinks. It would cover like everything on what's not good for the consumer. So I think that would be like a common ground on, on doing that and that maybe would avoid it. <laughs> right. Get to a point where it's not necessary because the beverage is only being purchased by people who are out for, as you say, a steak or having a soda at a cookout versus mm -hmm. drinking a couple of two liters a day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which uh, keeps the dentist in business, but it's definitely not good for the overall human body. 
Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town.